Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. Fishers, Indiana is a city of 100,000 uh, people. It's just north of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the temperature today is going to be 60. We feel like we're in a heat wave here. It has been cold here, even though we're in the spring. It has been pretty cold for this time of year. Uh, today, we have a very special guest for you. And at first, I would like to thank the uh, folks at the uh, Apple Company, the Apple Podcast. Uh, we now are an Apple Podcast show. You can subscribe to the broadcast. Uh, just go online. You can put my name in, Tom Alsop, Apple Podcast, and there you can find the link uh, to get to the programs. Um, we are uh, here today at a time when uh, uh, I know many of you out there are... Uh, under uh, lockdown, wherever you happen to be, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to go long distance from Fishers, Indiana, all the way to Athens, Greece, uh, via Skype. And I think we have a great connection here today, and we have a special guest. And her name is Christina Roca. And did I say that right? Rocha. I'm sorry. Roca. Rocha. Rocha, right? Rocha. Is that right? Rocha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Christina, yes, perfect. Christina Rocha. And uh, Christina teaches uh, Spanish in uh, Athens, Greece. And uh, she is also uh, one of the innovators of uh, uh, a movement that she started on curiosity in the world uh, language classroom. And you're going to learn a lot about that today. So don't, don't uh, move away from your uh, iPhone or wherever you're listening from or your iPad or, or the computer. Uh, because uh, she's going to have a lot of neat information about that and also tell you how you can uh, get involved in the project she has going, and especially on Facebook in a group that she has on Facebook. Um, so, good morning. Good afternoon. Over here. Right. Good afternoon. It's, <laughs> it's 10.45 in Fishers, by the way, and in Greece it is 4, 4.45. Yeah, that's right. It's late afternoon in, in Greece, and uh, mm -hmm. so uh, there's a little time difference, but uh, we're going to proceed anyway. We're at a good time of day. Um, Christina, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being Thank on the you. show. And we're Thank you for having me. We're delighted to have you, and especially to have someone teaching uh, Spanish in Athens, Greece. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, um, before we start on this, uh, how is COVID-19, the coronavirus, affecting Greece? Um, uh, you had mentioned to me, we talked a little bit before we went on air, but uh, about the prime minister uh, making the, creating the lockdown. Could you tell the listeners kind of what's going on there? Sure. So we've been, um, first of all, our school has closed down now. We've uh, been closed for uh, two weeks, two full weeks now. We're in our third week this week of virtual learning. The government has closed, has a, has instilled a lockdown on everyone about 10 days now, I want to say. But as of a few days ago, we're on a stricter lockdown. So what that means is um, if we need to go to the supermarket or if we want to go take our dog for a walk or you want to just, we have a, a list of uh, categories, basically, if we need to take care of a, an elderly or loved one, uh, we have to send a test to the, to a certain number and we get a, uh, we, we get a response with a code and then we can go off and do it. And we just have to make sure we have our ID with us in case we're stopped. Um, so this is what lockdown is like. We're no, no longer able to go. The parks are all closed. Of course, all restaurants, cafes and everything are closed. Schools are closed. All businesses are closed. Uh, everyone is to work from home unless they are um, primary personnel who cannot. And uh, But that's what's going on. So this is, this is life for us right now. And the lockdown came from your president, pretty much, right? Uh, your prime, prime minister. Prime minister, yeah. We have a yeah. prime minister, and, and he's the one who has... Uh, put that into effect. Uh, it did come in stages. First, uh, schools closed, and then uh, some businesses were told to close, uh, and that we were recommended to stay home. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, you know, find that very difficult, and would still go to cafes, would still go to out and about, and. But what that happens is when this was going on, the cases were rising every day. And uh, so this is why the, the government had decided to put us on a stricter lockdown. Well, that's excellent, right? I mean, 
you have yes. to feel a lot safer, correct? I mean, you definitely, feel safer. Definitely, yes. and actually it's been very effective so far because now our cases are going down. Uh, we are a small country. It's a very small country compared to the United States, um, but it is. it has so far proven to be an effective strategy. Of course, the borders have also closed. All European uh, borders have closed pretty much by now. Uh, so uh, we're lucky in that sense. All flights, of course, have been stopped. Um, and um, so now we're we're in isolation. We're we're all in isolation. We all have to you know make sure that we ab abide by the rules so that we can get out of this lockdown uh, now, sooner rather than later. Now today was is a special day though, right? In Greece, yes, can you tell the listeners about that? Holiday today is Greek uh, Independence Day. It's the birthday. Uh, so in 1821, Greece um, achieved its independence um, from. Um, from uh, a, a long, uh, a long and brutal war, I want to say, with uh, the Ottoman Empire, and um, so today, normally, what would be happening is everyone would be flocking to the parades around Greece, and uh, you know, a lot of kids' parades, everything would be happening today. What they did is everyone, uh, we heard kids from the balconies that were singing uh, some of the, the Greek national anthem, for example. So we could hear them uh, from the balconies, but uh, no parades today. That's for sure. Now, if one were to go to Greece, uh, one of the teachers listening or some of the teachers would want to visit Greece sometime, what are the three top places to visit in Greece that you would recommend? Three? Is that it? Just three? Well, maybe. <laughs> this is really difficult. Well, uh, how about, how about most, seven or eight? Yeah. Maybe seven or eight. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can do that. So most people, when they want to come to Greece, they think of the gorgeous blue waters and uh, the weather. And this is definitely one of the highlights of living in Greece, for sure. Um, uh, definitely the islands. There's some islands. There's, you know, different islands for, for everyone. You have the, the more active ones with lots of uh, nice beaches and nightlife, etc. And then you also have the more serene islands um, where for families and so forth. Um, my, me, personally, I really like... The island of Ida or Hydra, H Y D R A, and uh, if you if you're familiar with Leonard Cohen at all, he lived there for a while, and his family home is actually still there. It's very close to uh, Athens. It's one of the uh, Saronic Islands, which are the uh, the group of islands that's very close to Athens. There's no uh, no cars on this island. It's very small, so you can walk around it. They just use water taxis and donkeys to get around or walking. Um, and I, I love this island. It's it's very nice and very quiet uh, and beautiful and beautiful crystal clean waters. Um, also, really, also on the western side of Greece, uh, Corfu is a very nice island as well. Um, Rhodes and uh, uh, Ikaria. There is Crete, of course. There's many, many. Uh, we have so many. It's hard to really to uh, break it down. But that's just the islands. And then there's also the mainland, which cannot be forgotten. There's so much history all around Greece. And uh, really, no matter where you go, uh, you can go to the beautiful mountains of the north of Epirus uh, province. Beautiful, gorgeous uh, gorges, just very similar to what you have in the Grand Canyon. Uh, but actually, we have even deeper gorges that are there. They're just not as long or wide. Um, it's just beautiful countryside, mountains. And we have a little bit for everyone. Well, it certainly must be a beautiful place to visit then. Um, so the listeners will probably be ready as soon as the virus is over maybe we'll get some more visitors over there um so um what about the um your language that you that you teach you teach spanish right so don, i do donde aprendiste tu español <laughs> um, well, I kind of picked it up a little bit of everywhere. So my father was a Chicano, so growing up I was able to learn a little bit of Spanish from him. Uh, although since I was raised in the U.S., uh, English was the primary language spoken so you, around. So can you say a few things in Espanol? De tu familia o algo? Sobre tu familia. Because tú hablas muy bien, eh? Ya, ya me acuerdo muy bien. Eh? Gracias. Okay. Me encanta el español. Me encanta, me encanta eh, enseñar el español a los niños y a todos. Y también a mi esposo. Mi esposo está aprendiendo el español ahorita. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, 
then you obviously, I bet you speak uh, griego too, right? Uh, you también, yes, you, I how, speak how, how would you say, uh, Greek as that, well. Can you tell us about your family in, 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 in Greek? In Greek, λοιπόν, μένω εδώ με τον άντρα μου, εδώ στο σπιτάκι μας, που είμαστε εδώ στα βόρεια πράσια της Αθήνας και είμαστε πολύ ευτυχισμένοι, ειδικά σήμερα που είναι και τη γιορτή μας για την Αλλαδίτσα μας. It's a beautiful language, but it sounds great. Okay. Uh, now, we're going to move on to um, a topic that's interesting, and that is, uh, where do you teach at, uh, where do you teach in Athens, in uh, uh, Spanish, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I am teaching at, uh, it's an American international school, uh, it's called American Community Schools of Athens, and um, so we are a private school in the northern suburbs of Athens. Uh, that we have lots of, uh, we do have many American nationals, we have uh, Greek nationals as well as internationals. So uh, the primary language on campus is English, and then of course we have our different languages as well. We have um, Chinese, German, uh, Spanish, uh, and Greek as well. We also have Arabic. Uh, so we have uh, a wide range of languages, and uh, we now have three uh, teachers on, in our Spanish department, so we are growing for sure. Our school has also been growing, and I have to say it's one of the... I'm, I feel so lucky and so proud that I'm working at the school I am, uh, because they've... Since I've been, I've been at ACS since 2007, and it has been nothing but a learning experience. Uh, what I really, really appreciate is that... Um, there is so much opportunity for teachers to get involved in different kinds of, um, whether it be professional development, whether it be different kinds of trainings or different ideas and collaboration, especially among other teachers, uh, and that we're able to really share different resources and ideas and, and really um, something also I have to give credit is... Um, I started a PhD program a few years ago where I am uh, focusing on, I'm really driven towards this inquiry and cultivating curiosity for world language learners. But this whole idea, I think, really stemmed from, um, we had a, uh, the, at the time, the principal who hired me, who then became the dean of academics, uh, he, unfortunately, he just passed away recently, um, but he's very much in, in our hearts at, at school, and he's still very much, uh, his spirit is very much on campus. But he really uh, instilled in all of us uh, this sense of constructionism and this uh, bottom-up type of design thinking concept so that, you know, we don't cover curriculum. We really lead our kids and we deliver knowledge to our kids and have them lead the way for what what is meaningful for them. Because we don't, you know, we don't really want to be tied down to this textbook because really the textbook's going to be outdated and next year we may have a new textbook. I mean, textbooks are, you know, they're expendable. But uh, the knowledge that we are leading in our kids in and the questions that they are asking themselves, because every day, you know, who knew we'd be on lockdown three months ago? You know, yeah. everything is changing around us constantly. And we uh, want our kids, no matter what we are teaching them, and uh, we you, want them to be constantly asking questions and being able to wonder about things so that they can actually become, uh, this is our motto, is, you know, we empower our students to become architects of their own learning. So the idea of, um, you know, the comprehensible input, let's say, or, or yeah. the TPRS uh, methodologies... Mm -hmm. Would you say that? Um, I would you say you use those and then you amplify, you expand, or do you just well, kind of, do you just kind of explore methodologies? Uh, I like to explore different kinds of methodologies. I really don't want. I don't feel comfortable just doing one because things are changing all the time, um, and kids are changing all the time, and their needs are changing. Um, so, you know, we have to make sure that we're listening to them and what is it that actually works with them. 
So maybe it's TPRS one day, maybe it's uh, maybe it's something else the next day. It really depends. But what I do find to be very effective is when they are given choice, when they are given uh, their own voice to express what they want to say, then they become much more excited to learn, and then they have more questions to learn. Yes, and, and, and this, is, yeah. this is what I this is what drives me. It's their questions, and our questions can lead them to question more. And 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 they they select a lot of times, right? What to learn and and how to learn, correct? I mean, they sure. they have I mean, the opportunity. It depends on, for example, each topic depending on what it is that we we're supposed to cover. Let's say, right? We do have a certain standards that we do need to finish by the end of the year, but as far as how we deliver that, how we deliver that content, that's up to us. So, which is really nice. I mean, we do have a textbook that um, we follow, uh, but not. But every teacher is kind of free to do how they see fit. It's not like we have to do this this way. And this is something really nice because you know you may and we've seen this in in schools all over. You know, per, per te, uh, perhaps one method, one task might work really well with one group, but not necessarily so well with another group. So we have to be able to diversify. It find, it it goes with choice and uh, and yes. even even the multiple intelligences of Howard Gardner. Who you remember that yes, the intelligences yes. and things? How uh, choice and uh, uh, the learning styles and the diversity of learning styles. How we have to be aware of that teaching all the time, uh, and it, it's very important. And especially the choice where students have choices, right? Mm-hmm. That's very, very important. My uh, son uh, did his, uh, his uh, dissertation uh, in foreign language education on uh, student choice in mm-hmm. world languages, choice and, and optional learning, optional learning. And, uh, oh, I'd love to read that. <laughs> yes, yes, it would be good. He, but he did a wonderful job on that. And, uh, but you, you think about how things evolve and in, in methodologies and how quickly things change and and then how they don't change and uh, mm-hmm. but but I, I think that uh, uh, your ideas of, of the choices and options is wonderful I think that's we need to look at that a lot more in world languages and, and about what what goes on in the classroom that we uh, that we really take time to think about that sometimes and not just do necessarily one thing here all the time mm-hmm. or, or two things, but many things, as mm-hmm. you say, mm-hmm. it evolves, right? It's it, kind mm-hmm. of an evolving methodology that, that doesn't really just stay on one thing, but it, it moves. It's a moving thing. Exactly. Right? Language is constantly moving. Yes. Constantly. Yes, exactly. And this is also something I really, I, I really like to discuss with my students, especially, you know, they if uh, the term Spanglish comes up once in a while and they don't really know what this term is, and so I try to explain it. And and then we'll talk about differences, you know, between um, the Spanishes around the Spanish-speaking world. Uh, and I, I make sure and I tell them, in the classroom, we are learning a universal Spanish. So, yes, we're going to learn, you know, different words that they may say in Mexico versus Spain versus Argentina. And I'll even tell them, like, the different pronunciations. And I say, you guys are free to choose which one you like better. You know, there's no right or wrong here, um, but uh, I make sure that they they are they are aware of both versions. Let's say. Now, what levels do you teach uh, most of the so, time? So um, this this year, I'm teaching levels two through five. So I usually have I I'm teaching non-IB. I think that's the most important thing to say right now, and that's also one of the reasons why uh, I can I do have more of this freedom to be able to create more let's say, meaningful and, and open-ended lessons where kids can have more choice and more voice right. and more time to develop these skills. Uh, in the IB program, it's much more rigorous and uh, stressful, I would say. Now, in your school, how many students do you have in a normal class? Uh, I'd say anywhere between uh, 10 and uh, 20. So, so it's a beautiful setup, right? I mean, for learning, yeah. that's really yes. nice. Yeah, it is very now, nice. Now, who the students in their their parents are in the international community? Is that the idea? I mean, they work in business and right. Well, the, for the American passport holders, most of them are yeah, they're working in uh, businesses here, or they may also be part of the government, the embassy, perhaps. 
Um, we also have for the Greek nationals, they're, well, they're just locals. Uh, and then the internationals are also part of businesses. Yeah, that, that or companies that are yeah, here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about curiosity for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what role does curiosity have in learning a world language, do you think? Uh, there's, I think, I think that's where it actually starts. And, and, is with and I'm going to tell the listeners now you're working on a book on this, right? You're actually uh, yeah. well into this book. <laughs> this may become two books. Uh, so I don't know. We have, I'm we losing have, count, but we, it, there's we, a lot of projects that yeah. I'm involved with, and and it's uh, definitely uh, very insightful. Yeah. And uh, I'm learning every day. You know, we never stop learning, and I think that's the most important part with curiosity and any approach to learning a language is that there is no end to that. Uh, you, there's always more to learn. Uh, how do they do this? How do they say this? Why do they do this? You know, there's culture, there's language, there's attitude, there's food, you know, there's music. There's so many different things to learn about a language. It's not just the grammar. It's it's also, you know, thinking, even thinking about grammar, though, and syntax. Why do they have, you know, the, sub, the subject, verb, direct, object, the way it is? You know, whereas in German, you know, it's very different. Well, this is also having to do with their mindset, and uh, behaviors, you know, everything. So much is so much stems from language and how we speak it. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so when we talk about uh, food, etc., food and holidays that are in culture, the main mm-hmm. culture, culture becomes huge, right? With with curiosity. Yeah. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. as far as things you do in the classroom, for example, what uh, things would you say you would recommend for teachers to so they would have variety as far as, uh, you know, curiosity. So, uh, one of the techniques, actually, that I really like to use in a classroom to introduce a cultural topic for the first time, if they've never heard of it or don't have much exposure to it, is to use the QFT method, which is the question formulation technique. And this is a technique that, was, uh, that stems out of Boston, actually, from the Right Question Institute. Uh, it came from uh, some educators that were trying to get more parent involvement into their school communities, and they didn't know how, and then they realized that the parents didn't know what questions to ask. So they have uh, put together this uh, strategy, um, and uh, you can it's really easy to look up, and, and there's lots of trainings online. They're also through the Harvard uh, University um, program as well. I got my certification through QFT through them. Uh, and it's a strategy where they work in groups. You have your students or anyone in businesses as well working in groups and they're collaborating on uh, coming up with questions. They, ha- they have a prompt. It could be a picture. It could be a map. It could be a sentence. It could be a question. It could be anything that you have your, your question focused, let's say. And then you have them study that. They write down on a, like a butcher paper or something. They write down comments, questions in silent mode. And then they get to look at each other's and they can also comment on that as well. But just writing, this is still writing, no one's talking yet. And then they can collaborate and they can actually discuss these different things that they have uh, written down, whether they're comments or questions. And then they actually change the comments to questions and they change the questions to comments. So this is also stimulating that higher order type of thinking skill, more critical thinking. And then they can take uh, the different questions. And we have, we all know the difference between open and closed questioning. And we introduce students to this concept if they're not familiar with it already. Here's a closed, is this closed or is this open? If it's closed, let's make it open. How would we make it open? If it's open, how are we gonna make it closed? And then they can decide together as well, uh, which are the, let's prioritize these questions now. Throughout the whole time while they're doing this, we are not giving any kind of value to their questions. So we're not saying, oh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a really interesting question. Because what about the other kid who may also have, you know, an interesting sounding question, but then the teacher doesn't say the same thing to them right away there's that value system that gets in there. So the whole, uh, one, of, one of the things I love about this QFT process, and it is a process, is that every student, every question, every comment has the same value. So everyone feels that their comment or their question is being valued the same way. And they collaboratively come up with 
the questions together that they think would be the most, let's say, most interesting or important to find the answers to. And then they actually go off and they answer their own questions by researching and investigating. So how many people would be in the group then? Four? Uh, three or four. Three or four. It okay. could also be done in twos, but I think it's best in three or fours. And uh, so I, I typically do this a lot. I always do this for the Day of the Dead, for example, to introduce the concept or any kind of cultural phenomenon. I will usually use QFT for that. So you could um, do it. could be you, for foods. It could be for music. Also in introducing different kind of Latin American uh, or Latin dances. Uh, there's so many different ways that it can be used, really. And then, but you'd have a picture up on the screen, right? Or, or on well, your computer. Well, so what I do for Day of the Dead, for example, is each group has a different artifact on their desks. Uh, so I may have a, a calavera on one. I may have mm -hmm. some pictures on another. I may have some sugar skulls in another. I may, you know, different artifacts that have to do with uh, so this particular this is where you, you bring in your, yeah. your real... Realia. I hate, realia, to, I hate yeah. to say real realia, but real, yeah. <laughs> real authentic realia, right? Authentic yeah. realia, yeah. right? Which yeah. is, in itself is wonderful, you know, authentic realia. Something we forget about too, right? We t mm. we talked about this um, in Cuba. If you remember, we talked mm. about realia. And yes. Christina, by the way, was in our Cuba program, our summer program in Havana, Cuba in 2017 and uh, joined uh, us there for the, our summer program. Now, we talk always talk about realia, but uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's kind of a lost art sometimes. You know, yeah. people travel anymore, and we take pictures all the time on the phones yeah. and, you know, in the video, but we sometimes we forget about realia, how important it is, right? Uh, yeah. It might be. It's, a, it's so, and it's nice. It's a different piece. They get to pick it up. They can touch it. They can yes, play with it. Yes. You know, they may. They'll ask me if they can eat it, like for the sugar skulls. You know, I mean, yes. it's just, it's, you know, it's something they can actually physically. Well, have like contact it, it with. could be a peso, right? The money. It could be a sure, peso. It could yes. be a euro. I actually still have uh, Havana pesos, and yeah, I show them yeah, to the kids. Yeah. The pesos convertibles, right? Convertibles. Yes, yes, yes. Coops, I don't think coops. they're worth anything, the but coops. yeah. <laughs> the coops. It, and they are, uh, the listeners, they are called cooks in Espanol. Yeah. Se use, cooks. Uh, se use is. And uh, so anyway, the that, that's good. Now, the other the other items I was just thinking of some of the things that, that we forget, though, too. And and it might, might be in Mexico uh, or Spain, you know, might be a box of cereal. It could be a cereal box. It might be a, mm. um, a, a newspaper where there still are newspapers, you know, where the mm -hmm. people actually go to the kioscos and buy the newspapers. Mm -hmm. So there are still little things that, uh, of realia which aren't, are very important uh, to people. And uh, I was trying to think, can you think of some more realia things real quick? Uh, I, I actually, whenever I go traveling, I always collect menus, uh, menus from any kind of, even fast food, like the, the you, things that they put you, in you did McDonald's, that. I, I think you did that in Cuba a lot. Oh, menus. yeah. No matter seemed, where. No matter where. Like I always had want to take something. It could be a doll, yes. you know, yes. uh, handicrafts. Uh, those are great as well. I have uh, lots of things from my travels. Uh, musical instruments is another great one, uh, which I always break out. You know, the I have a whole box actually of uh, music, different musical instruments I've collected, uh, several from Cuba as well. And uh, so whenever we do get into a little bit about music and the history of music, which I have to say I learned about so much when I was in Cuba because Cuba was such a big player in how music evolved in Latin America, really. Yes, yes. Um, and some of the great singers, you know, came from Cuba. There were some great singers. Definitely. And, and band leaders. Um, one of the band leaders, uh, last summer we were in the uh, Plaza Vieja. I don't know if you remember the, mm. probably remember the Plaza Vieja. And they were having this uh, presentation. And as we were leaving, we turned the corner and we ended up in a place called uh, the Taberna de um, Benny Morey. And mm. Benny, I think I was in Benny Morey, and Benny mm. was one of the great band leaders of all time in in Cuba. So we go inside, and, and there must have been thirty people in the band playing, and the people were dancing and doing the salsa and all the great dances. And so anyway, um, there were half the band; they were the original members of the band, uh, and and Julian, one of our teachers, mm -hmm. was with us, a great mm -hmm. expert on Cuban. 
And I didn't know who Benny was. And Julian says, oh, Tomas, you have to conocer a Benny, muy famoso. And I did not even know who Benny was, but I found out in a hurry. And, uh, but the music is, is so important, as you said. But w this brings me to an interesting thought, and that is when you travel, though, some teachers, and are great, great travelers, teachers, language teachers are the best travelers in the world, and they mm -hmm. always, sure. they're collectors, and they love to collect realia. And, uh, mm -hmm. and they get to realia sometimes, and they forget they have it. And, oh, yeah. and then they'll wait, till they, <laughs> they'll wait to right before Christmas or sometime, or right before Easter, and things get a little tougher, and you have to interest the kids, and they pull their realia out you know, once or twice a year, but I, they really need to use the realia all year because yeah. many teachers have treasures of realia. And, uh, Tons and, of and, stuff. and as That's you said, sure. the important yeah. thing is to have it in your hands and pass it around. Definitely, so yes. And the noisemakers, you know, anything. Yeah, they really like to hold stuff and touch stuff. Yes, and, and see it, you know, or, or even yeah. when teachers dress up and they wear something from the country, yeah. you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, there's just so many things, you know, you can do uh, with that realia. Um, now, back to the creativity. Now, can you tell the listeners about your Facebook group that you have? Any of you on um, Facebook can go and be in this group, and it's called Cultivating Curiosity in the World Language Classroom. I'll say that again. Cultivating Curiosity in the World Language Classroom. And it's Christina Rocha, R-O-C-H-A. And it's C H R I S T I N A, and uh, Roach R O C H A Facebook, and it's a group, and it's a great group, and people are always doing great posts about create uh, uh, curiosity in the world language classroom, and curiosity obviously goes with creativity, right? And that's going to be one of my quick questions before we get into Facebook. So, is there a difference between curiosity and creativity, or is it kind of two? one and the same or are they both different but close well i think i kind of think they go together you know when you're curious about something you wonder how things work together or what will complement something else and that's also looking at it creatively to see you know you're, you're always thinking outside the box how to make it more interesting how to make it more uh, engaging as well i mean so we always have to to be able to instill any kind of curiosity and engagement it does, you know, does require a little bit of creativity. Now, I, I do think, I do believe, though, I think a lot of people, you know, um, sometimes hesitate to learn new things because they think that they can't or they're just not creative, so they just leave it alone. And I really have to say that there is, you know, there's all so many different techniques and methods and, and even just wording, you know, just the way we speak to kids. Um, a lot of these things that if we're, if they're modeled and uh, teachers can learn from each other by ob observations, by uh, any kind of PD, it could be a webinar or even just, you know, reading about a certain uh, technique, it's to try it out. Try it out and see if it works. And, you know, you also, you know, as you're trying it out, you see what works, what doesn't work so that the next time you can tweak it to make it better. Um, we're, you know, we're always tweaking things. And uh, this is also something we, at our school, we call it action research. It's just another form of inquiry uh, that all, all of our teachers, uh, all the teachers at our school are encouraged to do. And we're required actually to do action research with our students. Um, and this is our way of, of learning from the kids so that, you know, we may have an idea. And this is something, I think creativity, curiosity, all of this comes from having an idea, right? I mean, we, if you have any question, like, I wonder what would happen if, right? How would this look if? And it's figuring out the rest of that sentence. So it's, it's uh, you have an idea, you want to see what works and what doesn't work. And then you're able to kind of finish that sentence and see how the students respond to that. And you by designing anything and or you, just watching someone else and taking yeah. their idea. You know, we don't own yeah. our ideas. We share them. And you have to risk take, right? Risk take. Always. We're always always risk taking. Risk. And, just and, like and, the kids and, are taking yes. risks every time they raise their hand. And the, curi the curiosity factor is, is so important. And, that, and to help the kids develop curiosity and the teacher, it, there has to be risk taking, right? And as you said, always. some things work, some things don't work. But you, right. have, you have to try different things. You can't just mm -hmm. do, keep doing the same thing over and over. And by, right. by being curious, obviously, for the teacher, as you said, 
I mean, it opens up all kinds of methodologies and different ways to approach things, uh, mm -hmm. which all helps us meet the needs of the diverse student population that we have, which is very different. And we, you know, that, that's one of the beauties of curiosity and uh, in, in uh, risk-taking, both of those things. Yes, um, yes. So, they go hand in hand. Totally, yes, totally. Um, so if uh, the peop somebody wants to get in your Facebook group, can, can you go yeah. through the steps they would have to do to get there? Did I, did I all they, cover all they need to do is they just they press join and uh, they have a few questions that they have to uh, answer. That's just for me to know that they're in fact an educator who teaches a, a language. Uh, and it's also I've also said that it could also be for parents, for example, who may be looking for different ideas for how to you know help with their children perhaps in homeschooling environments. Uh, and uh, but that's all they have to do. They just have to answer a few questions and that's now, it. How would they, also, how would they yeah. get to your how would they get to Cultivating Curiosity in the World Language Classroom? How would they find that on Facebook then? I, you just plug it into the search uh, at the top, it, it, and, okay. uh, and then you'll be able, I, I think, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one with that group title. Uh, and I've also created, with the same title, I've created a group on LinkedIn, although it's not as uh, active. Um, it's, it's a very different uh, platform, uh, but I definitely find that for educators that uh, Facebook groups seem to be very, um, very active. Yes. Lots of ideas shared, lots of resources shared as well. Uh, this is one of the things I just, I really love this about uh, uh, the group is that, you know, people are open to sharing ideas and resources and, uh, you know, we're all here for the same reason. And one of the most important, one of the reasons why this group is, I mean, why there's so much about uh, you know, curiosity in the classroom, but it's also, what are we doing? We're teaching languages, we're teaching culture, we're teaching kids to be aware, interculturally aware, so that they can become interculturally competent and, intercul and intercultural competent communicators, above all. Yes. Uh, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful sight. Idea. It's very impressive what you've done. Very impressive with that group. And you really need to be congratulated. It's a beautiful sight and the group. And you have some great teachers involved with that. And uh, everybody should go and get in that group. I mean, it's really <laughs> a beautiful group for a variety of ideas and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful group. Um, now, back to um, uh, your family there now. Your, mm -hmm. your husband is from Greece, correct? Yes, yes, he's Greek. Yeah, and he's an engineer. And does, yes. does he speak any other languages? He is, uh, he speaks German and uh, he's learning Spanish and uh, he knows, he knows a little bit of French as well, but he's, he has just recently discovered Duolingo. So <laughs> he's, he's moment, he's always on Duolingo. <laughs> yeah. And so he's working good <laughs> for funny. him. That's good. Now, what about, uh, what countries have you visited? Uh, oh. A bunch, right? I'd say I think there's only a, a couple small countries in Europe that I still have not been to, um, but I've pretty much been to all the major. I've been to all the major European capitals, that's for sure. Um, and I've go, I've gone to Africa and of course all throughout Latin America. So I still haven't made it to Asia yet, but that's soon, hopefully. Now, what languages do you you speak yourself? Other other languages. Uh, speak Greek, uh, Spanish, Greek, Spanish, and French as well. I started out as a French teacher way back when, when I started my teaching okay. career, and uh, then uh, that was back when I was still living in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, then uh, they asked me to do both French and Spanish. And then when I moved to Greece, uh, I've been doing Spanish. Well, that's great. You certainly um, uh, interesting that you are quite a world traveler. I, I remember, mm. of course, you came all the way from Athens to be in Havana, Cuba. That was, that was quite, <laughs> quite a... Quite a it quite was a, worth it. It was so yes, worth it. I really, you. really, really enjoyed my time yes. in Cuba. I think yes. it's, out of all the trips that I've made, it's one of the ones that has really made one of the most lasting impressions, for sure. You know, we've we've had a lot of teachers say that about the program, uh, yeah. that it makes a, made a difference in their life. And it's like... I think it's the great teachers there we have in Cuba, especially Julian and Maritza. Yeah, Julian he's Mar amazing. amazing. He's amazing. And Maritza, Maritza, you probably remember Maritza as well. And and um, 
Yes. Uh, a lot of great teachers and wonderful uh, staff, wonderful staff yes. and wonderful Alberto, people. Alejandro, beautiful culture. Yes. Yeah, Alberto and Alejandro, just a great bunch of people, and uh, yeah. and uh, just they help make it a really an outstanding group a program. Now, what about world language study today? What would you tell the listeners and the teachers and uh, and anybody parents who are listening? Why do you think students should study a world language today? Well, I think today, especially where we are globally, uh, that if, you know, in any way to get ahead, to be able to, to even just to be able to simply understand communication at the basic level, uh, once you have learned uh, or you are studying another language, it's a window into understanding another culture and another way of thinking. And this is, you know understanding being becoming a little bit more interculturally competent as a speaker uh, so when you are learning another language you are more able to communicate effectively with someone from another culture even if it's not the same culture with the language that you're learning uh, but at least being open and understanding to yes you know there is more to you know to English in Baltimore or wherever it is that you may be living so um Let's talk a little bit about your book um, that you're working on. Uh, what's the most um, important part of that book that you would talk about right now that you like the most and what part of that book are you having fun writing that you really love that part of it that you'd want to communicate? What? Okay, so there's a, there's a couple different projects I'm working on um, and I, one of them, which is for the school, um, it's uh, called I Square Flex uh, Revolutionary K through 12 Blended Learning through the I Square Flex uh, classroom model. And I Square Flex stands for um, inquiry-based, uh, independent, um, face-to-face, flexible learning. And uh, this is a project that I'm working on with uh, some colleagues. Uh, so we're working on the updated edition. And this is a, a book that's written by many of us, as well as some other uh, collaborators, uh, with methods that are really uh, working in the classroom. So it's a lot of action research, but it's also a lot of uh, theory as well. And my piece is the cult, is the cultivating curiosity piece. It's it's the inquiry. It's uh, inspiring inquiry. This is my chapter, and um, so this is really something. It's it's going to have lots of uh, ways and tools, lots of technological tools, um, strategies, uh, so um, teachers can take that and use them, um, and and that's that's one one thing that we're I'm working on now. Um, another one is is actually taking it a little step further, and it's going to be a, a publication I'm putting together. I don't know when it'll be ready. It keeps growing, but I have what I really enjoy though is through my work with the, also with the PhD work that I'm doing. I'm I'm constantly uh, raising more questions for how we can actually get more of these methods out to teachers and to be included in more uh, PD and more professional development um, so that more teachers can become comfortable with trying out some of these methods. Because uh, that's really, you know, it's a big key. We want to make sure that teachers are, are wanting and willing uh, to try something new. Um, and so, the, you know, being able to show them different ways of, of you know, how to even make a, an activity, make it fun. You know, we want, basically, we want to, obviously, whatever we're doing in the classroom, we want it to be engaging for the kids. What's engaging? We want them to have a good time, right? So, um, yeah, you know, even just, a, you know, humor. I yeah. mean, how can we, we can introduce different kinds of uh, questions for kids to come up with jokes, for example, or, or wordplay, you know, playing with the language and, Making up so many different kinds of things, but but making it making it enjoyable and fun is yeah. got has to be the top item that that, yes. that really makes learning a language worth it yes. for the kids. Right. I mean, if it's, it's not it, engaging, you know, they're not really yeah. learning. I mean, we know from Bloom's, Bloom's taxonomy. Yes. It's taxonomy. It's uh, they if they're doing it, they're engaged and they're going right. to remember it. Right. So when we talk about hands-on activities, we talk about fun uh, mm. interaction, uh, student-centered uh, yes. classrooms, student-centered classrooms, not just teacher-centered. And uh, exactly. something that, that 
I sometimes think we really need to push more today, and, and we forget about sometimes, is involvement of the students in, in what we do, and in, yes. in a huge involvement of the students. And as you said, <clears throat> selection, options, choice, um, the group work, the, the group dynamics, all those things uh, make for a great, great classroom in uh, the interaction, in the 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 real life that goes on in a classroom that mm -hmm. you can't replace with technology. It's just something that uh, that's the beauty of having live teachers in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things you're talking about come to life. Yeah. You know, with the teacher and uh, yes, and you can do and things. Engagement. You can do yeah. things online, and uh, we all love technology. And and but we also know it has limits. And uh, yeah. you know, the human uh, the human uh, presence is, is something that hopefully will never be replaced in the classroom uh, because it's vitally important, vitally important. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to switch real quick, and you're going to tell us quickly about you're doing virtual learning right now, right, in the classroom? Yes, Can yes, you give I us, am. Give us, uh, one, and uh, one so letter. we're in our third week right now of uh, virtual learning at school, and it, we were fortunate that we had a little bit of warning. Um, as soon as the first case of COVID-19 entered Greece, our school um, right away started training us for how we can start looking at moving our lessons to be online and we started having trainings with different um, platforms and uh, you know troubleshooting and making sure that uh, we could really just keep going and that's what we did uh, we were sent an email one Sunday that we were closing for the next day and we did and we started uh, we had a data plan uh, to figure out everything uh, as far as you know knowing for sure this is what we're doing and Tuesday we started our lessons online and we have our schedule has slightly shifted every week uh, depending on uh, I really have to say hats off to the administration because every day uh, surveys were sent out to all the teachers and students as well to see what worked what didn't work what we need to improve on and every day things are getting better so uh, we are now in our third week. Uh, so I am very happy that I did have some technological issues the first week, and I'm so glad that I don't have, I have those anymore. And so now it's smooth sailing, and now I can really get more creative and uh, and really start engaging more with the kids. And into we I, I put them into breakout groups when we meet online. So we use this. Uh, it's called the Big Blue Button. It's uh, some it's a platform we use through Moodle, which is our learning management system. And it's uh, it's nice because we are I am able you know show my screen show presentations and also put those students into breakout groups so that uh, they can actually practice with each other the conversational and oral part of the language which is the most vital and that's really why we're meeting you know this is the main part of us meeting together virtually. Well, certainly well done. I mean, they're very your school's very fortunate to have your talent there and. and Doing the everything that you do, and and especially the virtual uh, learning in a short amount of time, and so certainly hats off to you guys at your school there, and all the listeners too, the teachers listening now, uh, for all of your work too, and in, in putting together the online work uh, that you had to do in a very short period of time, and I think now the parents <laughs> who are home with their kids, many of them, mm -hmm. and they're working from home, and their kids are at home too. I think the parents are appreciating a lot more the efforts the teachers do and what the work <laughs> teachers do every day. And it's a huge I amount so. of work. And the, I always tell the parents and when they talk about the situation at the moment, and I say, well, you, if you have one or two kids, but how would you like to have 30 kids, you know? Yeah. And maybe yeah. do that five or six times a day that some teachers out there do. And I say, you know, hats off to the teachers. They've done a beautiful job and under all this duress and, and things that we're going through here now. But the teachers certainly uh, are the great heroes of the moment, along with yeah. the hospital workers and the police and, and the truck drivers and the maintenance people and everybody everywhere working. And uh, we've been very blessed to, to have all this effort around the world, that the whole world's involved and that it really is a world effort and uh, it is and, uh, it's a collective effort and this is why you know, we yes. all have to help each yes. other get through this absolutely. and uh, this is something I, 
I think we're fortunate where we are at least. Uh, and, and from my, from the international community I meet with online every day. Um, I think for teachers, we, there's a lot of support out there. Uh, and for teachers who are listening and who are looking for, you know, more ways, there's so, so many ways to get in touch with other yes. uh, teachers uh, for curriculum, et cetera. And, and so much now, I, I have to really hats off to all educators out there right now going through this because yes. I think it's pretty much a world lockdown. Um, and uh, we're all struggling, but we're doing it, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah. And our condolences, too, to the people. If anybody's listening from Spain or yeah. Italy, France, all those countries in Cuba, Mexico, South America. And the United States as United well, States, yeah. everybody, teachers were so sad to hear of all these uh, these uh, people being sick, et cetera, and, the, and uh, we hope that it's soon going to stop, and it will, I think, with the effort of everybody's making out there. It's just been phenomenal and, and incredible. So uh, we're blessed to have a world that's uh, coming together with all this, and, and really, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, thank you so much for being on our show. Boy, the time you, flew Tom. by. Just like we just started, and we're we've, we've, uh, we're at I think we're at fifty minutes now. We did uh, quite a bit, but it's worth it all. And Christina yes, has a lot wonderful. of great ideas, so uh, I wanted everybody to hear Christina talk because she's uh, really renowned on on uh, the curiosity theme and world language learning and uh, and how to develop that. And uh, if you want to have some fun, go to the website, the Facebook uh, group site. Uh, for Colabine Curiosity in the World Language Classroom. And yes, and there's also, I have a blog, it's called mycuriousclasses.com as well. Okay, mycuriousclasses.com, and that's mm -hmm. a blog, okay? Uh, yes. Let me write that down, mycuriousclassrooms. No, classes, mycuriousclasses. I'm sorry, mycuriousclasses.com. .com. Okay, mycuriousclasses.com. Yep. Okay, wonderful. And... Uh, have a great day and uh, thank you so uh, much, Tom. You too. And, I wish uh, the best for you and your family. Thank you very much. In this uh, time. Well, we're we're just doing fine. We're just rolling along, and and I'm staying staying home most of the time, and then doing a lot of writing. Fortunately, I'm able to Good. do a lot Good. of that. So that and planning our summer trips, which uh, we hope we're able to do, but who knows at this yeah. point. Uh, yeah. But at any rate. One thing is for sure is that this time at home is definitely a time, it's a great time for reflection and for opportunities yes. of what we can do with this time. Absolutely. Totally correct. Uh, yes. So uh, at any rate, uh, everybody that's listening, uh, thank you for being with us. Our next broadcast, our next several, we're going to go out and around the country and find uh, some teachers and learn how they're making their classrooms come alive via uh, online learning in a, in a crisis situation. And we're going to find out how they're doing that in the world language classroom. So thank you all for being with us, Cristina. Muchas gracias. Mil gracias. Y estamos en contacto. And uh, thank all of the, the listeners. We thank you for being with us and uh, uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, and uh, have a great week, eh? And feliz miércoles. Happy feliz Wednesday. Feliz miércoles. <laughs> feliz día de independencia en, en Grecia. En Grecia, Para gracias. Para los griegos. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.